Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, and that seek him with the whole heart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Average Apologetics Podcast, and I'm Corey, your Average Apologist. It has been a wonderful week. I hope it has been for you. It definitely has been for me. Trying to really dig in and work on this this podcast as a as a daily program Monday through Friday. It's it's a it's a bit different. It's a bit different because I don't have the kind of uh, the kind of turnaround in as far as time to you know really mull over the specifics of what I before. If I would do say one episode a week, I could spend an entire week kind of mulling over different ideas that I want to talk about, and then I would wind up on the day that I, I sit down to record and to to put all of this together. I would wind up with way more that I wanted to talk about than I was actually able to talk about, and that, that caused problems on its own. Doing it this way, I'm able to be a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more relaxed, and I can just kind of hit topics as they come, as they happen. And so that's that's pretty, for me, that's that's pretty uh, pretty useful. That, that's, that's a useful tract to be on, because that, that frees up my mind to really, really in my opinion, deliver to you kind of a, a an open and freeform response on things that are going on, particularly on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which are, based on my schedule that I'm working on right now, our kind of freeform days. So what I want us to talk about today, I want there are really there are really two things that I want to want to kind of highlight in today's episode. The first being, of course, the tragedy that is taking place in Israel with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that is that is currently going on. And, and, and look, regardless of your opinion of Israel as a nation, regardless of your opinion of Palestine as, well, call it a nation, you, you can probably already tell I have my opinions on the matter, but the, the fact is regardless of your opinion on Israel and Palestine, it, it, it doesn't really change anything in the in the context of how this is truly a tragedy who are the people that are suffering more than anyone else in this situation who suffers the most who suffers the most in a situation like we have with Pal- the Palestinian conflict is it military personnel is it foreign ambassadors is it tourists or are the people that suffer the most the least in society? And I'm talking your low-end laborers and children. The people who are just trying to get by. And particularly in these, these conflicts that we have seen for, for decades between Israel and, well, if we're being perfectly honest, it's between Israel and Hamas. Hamas, and in just a moment, I, I want to read some excerpts to you from the from Hamas's charter, because I really think that will help. If you haven't ever seen their charter, or if you haven't read it for yourself, then it will really help explain to you the the mentality, the mentality that we're that we're dealing with, that we're talking about in terms of this conflict with Israel. This isn't just some political dispute over. A section, a parcel of land. This isn't just a geographic conflict. 
This is a fundamental existential crisis. And it's, it's, it's pretty clear that that's exactly what it is when you have a group that is willing to directly attack schools or use schools, hospitals as human shields, which is precisely what Hamas does on a daily basis when they're involved in these conflicts. I, I remember a few years ago there was a big... There's a big dust-up where Israeli, I believe it was an Israeli counteroffensive, which was it really that's a defensive measure using using offensive technology, right? It's a defensive measure counterattacking against those who have attacked you. And the, their their initiative, their goal, their target was to take out what appeared to be a a kind of a, a roughshod, ramshackle, temporary mobile base that Hamas was using to lob missiles at Jerusalem. And when they attacked, when the dust settled, well, it turns out, yeah, there, there was a school near, nearby. There was a school nearby. And, and you had people across the world railing against Israel, completely ignoring the fact that Hamas was using that as a human shield. They were using those children as human shields. They were using hospitals as human shields, using those locations to attack from them indiscriminately because they knew that it would make it that much more difficult for anyone to counterattack. Even though the counterattacks were very, very pinpointed and the collateral damage was comparatively minuscule. Anytime you're talking about a military escalation, of course, there will be some form of collateral damage. And when you're when you're involving, uh, I, I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I believe the the lingo for those in the know would, would call this soft targets. When you're talking about human beings involved in the, as a form of collateral damage then that makes it exponentially more difficult to avoid to avoid said collateral damage when there are civilians when there are in in the case of Hamas when they're setting up shop inside or right next to schools and hospitals as a cover while they continue to attack it says a lot about their mentality about their mindset but I want to read this to you. This is, and I won't. I will not read the entirety of the Hamas charter. Don't, don't, don't worry. Okay, I just want to read to you a couple excerpts. But you can find this in various places. You can check this out at uh, at Yale, Yale.edu, the Avalon Project. They have a complete, a, a complete translation of the 1988 Hamas Covenant. It's the Hamas Charter. And it's it's changed very little over the years, and the core the core premises, the core principles, are identical. Now that they have tried to soften the language on some some aspects, but they still leave in these key these key points. So what I want to read to you are two particular excerpts, one from the preamble and one from Article Article twenty eight of the Hamas Charter. This is under Section D, Article twenty eight, Arab. And Islamic countries. This is this will be the the second 
second excerpt. But the first excerpt that I would like to read to you is from the preamble, and this is just a short statement about Israel. And this is taken as a quote from one identified as the martyr Imam Hassan al-Banna. And the quote is this, Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it just as it, ha just as it obliterated others before it. That's, that's peaceful, right? That's loving. That's compassionate. That's diplomatic. That's diplomatic language, right? That's in the preamble. So that, that gives you an idea. If that, if that is a core sentiment, if, if that's something you put in your preamble of your, of your founding documents, then that means that that is part of your core sentiment that you as an organization embody entirely. That Israel will exist and continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it. So when you when you hear people reference Hamas, as well as some some of these other Arabic these other Islamic organizations that have uh, waged continual war against Israel, when you hear people reference them and reference their charters and their decrees, claiming claiming that that they have a desire to destroy Israel. And you think to yourself, well, you know, surely that's just a misunderstanding. This, okay, so, so this is an English translation. I know some people have a problem with translations. Some people do have a problem with translations. And they say, oh, well, just because you translate something from one language into another, then that doesn't mean you necessarily understand exactly what was said, right? I remember listening to Dr. David Wood give this, this, uh, this rendition of when he first met uh, the late Nabil Qureshi, who for years was one of his closest friends. When he and Nabil were getting to know each other, I recall David discussing a, a night that they were, they were, I believe they were rooming together during a debate conference. And Nabil had uh, been on the phone with his mother and they had had a discussion. And then later, Nabil, after having talked to his mother, speaking to her in Qureshi, which would be there, if, if I remember correctly, that would be her native tongue, and then telling David about the things that he and his mother discussed, and then later they got into a, a, a bit of a, a dispute about Christianity, and part of Nabil's argument against Christianity was that, well, you can't trust what you read in the Bible as being accurate because it's been translated from another language, which David found incredibly amusing because he said well Nabil you just told me what your mother what you and your mother discussed on the phone and you weren't speaking in English does that mean I can't trust what you told me if you can't trust a translation if you can't trust the ability to translate from one language to another that's that's an entirely that's an entirely different level of intellectual issue of intellectual dilemma Aside from whether or not you believe, <laughs> whether or not you believe what is translated is true, the very idea that well you can't trust translation. Well, if you can't trust translation, then can you trust any form of communication? After all, when we speak to one another, we're we're not we're not speaking. We 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 don't house these words as entire words in our brain. That you know the way the mind works, it operates off of these electrochemical interactions the various synapses of the brain so really when we're speaking vocally we're verbalizing information that's a translation from its rudimentary form in which it is stored in the human brain does that mean that we can't trust that translation 
Well, that would mean that we can't ever speak to each other and know that we're saying the truth. Oh. Oh, so you mean we have to verify the truth. So you mean you have people who know what they're talking about that go in and verify a translation to see that it's true? See, these things, like the 1988 Hamas Charter, these things have been translated into English for a very long time. And they've been scrutinized by many, many, many people. Are there multiple translations? Yes. Yes. Do the translations say the same thing? Roughly. The sentiment is the same. They might use some different words. In particular, say if you go to Wikipedia, they, they tone down the language. Say on the preamble where it says that, that Islam will obliterate it. Speaking of Israel, well, Wikipedia will tone down the language to make Islam seem more gentle. You don't have to take my word my word for it. Go go to go to Wiki, check it out. Go to the Wikipedia page for the Hamas Charter, the Hamas Covenant, and compare the text where they they reference this portion versus the text say on Yale's Yale.edu, their Avalon project. Anyway, so this is the sentiment that is at the forefront of the Hamas Charter that Islam will destroy Israel. That that is the goal of Hamas. But I said there were two excerpts. That was the first. The second, okay, I, I won't say that I lied. I didn't lie. But this is a two-part excerpt, okay? It's an excerpt from the center, and then we have the final line. And, and, and I, I want to include both of these. It's They're both from Article 28. Both are, are they, 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 they come into play within the same, the same context here, okay? So in Article 28, we see this. Arab countries surrounding Israel are asked to open their borders before the fighters from among the Arab and Islamic nations so that they could consolidate their efforts with those of their Muslim brethren in Palestine. So the idea is that they're, they are they're saying, look, all of you Arab countries around Israel, open your borders and allow all of our fighting brethren, allow all of our fighting Muslim brethren to conglomerate, to gather, to consolidate our forces in Palestine. Again, this is in the Hamas Charter. And it, the, the section, or the Article 28, ends with this line, Israel, Judaism, and Jews challenge Islam and the Muslim people. They, they challenge them? And then in quotes, they have, May the cowards never sleep. Is that peaceful? Is that loving? Is that diplomatic speech? No, it's it's a direct threat. You're going to gather your military force under the banner of Hamas in Palestine. You're, you're asking for all of the surrounding Arab countries to allow safe passage for all those who are willing to gather to fight against Israel. And you're ending, the sec ending this article, Article 28, with with a a quote a quotation, it, it doesn't give any reference to who it's from, but it quotes it directly. May the cowards never sleep. Should we ever be surprised at the conflict in the Middle East? Should we ever be surprised? No, we shouldn't. It should come as no surprise to us that Israel always has been and always will be in direct open military escalating conflict with the Arab nations, particularly those who abide by this mentality. Groups like Hamas, like Al-Qaeda, like Boko Haram, all of these 
very, he said, well, well, they're just extremists, right? Are they? That, my friends, is why I really, really want to do our study series on Islam. But before we can get to that, we have to talk about some other things, okay? Before we can get to our discussion on Islam so that maybe more people out there can really understand this, this overly romanticized religion, because it is truly a romanticized religion in Western culture. It's been treated as though it is something entirely different than what it really is. But just to kind of highlight the fact that, that there are so many people in the world who simply do not understand the basis of Islam, and in, in, in this particular case, they don't understand the basis of groups like Hamas. Uh, I was reading in Twitter earlier, uh, Dr. Michael Brown. If you're not familiar with him, Dr. Michael Brown is the founder and president of Ask Dr. Brown Ministries of the Fire School of Ministry. He hosts a, a national daily syndicated talk show, uh, the Line of Fire. He's also been featured on various TV networks. He's, he's a he's a pretty 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 big name in Christian apologetics. He came from a Jewish background. He had a, a somewhat rough rough uh, teenage years where he was a, a drug addict in a in a rock band, and then all of that changed when he came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. But Dr. Michael Brown, I saw on Twitter he was he had made some comments about the conflict going on in Israel. And he was discussing how that, that, that really people need to stop and recognize the fact that, look, there, there are children, there are children dying on both sides of this, on both sides of the conflict. You have children who are being killed by the attacks from Hamas. You have children being used by, you're used by Hamas as human shields. And one of the responses, one of the responses that he got was, was, someone spouting out a claim that, that they had heard and believed to be true. The claim that, well, this whole thing started from Jewish settlers coming in and evicting the Palestinians from their home. And I found it just fascinating, Dr. Brown's immediate reaction. He, he comes out and he says, false information, dig deeper. And then he gives a news link. He gives a news link to this young man saying, look, uh, myth number three explains this point, uh, but you, you really should read, though, and it's four myths, four myths about the, the violence that's going on in Jerusalem and the conflict with the Palestinian state. And so it, I find it fascinating, though, the degree of, well, let's just call it, let's just call it what it is, the degree of ignorance, right, the, the lack of knowledge, a lot of people think of the term ignorant as being some kind of some kind of put down, some kind of condescension, but it, it's really just you, you you've if you are ignorant, that means that you are lacking knowledge about a certain fact, about a certain matter. You are unlearned, you are uneducated in these matters. And look, there are a lot of there are a lot of things in this life that I am absolutely ignorant about. I I own up to that right off the bat. But when you have people who are going out on social media, going out to, to the people in their immediate in their, their immediate community and spouting off things that they profess to be true, making truth claims. We've talked about that before. You can go out and you can make a truth claim, and it doesn't have to be true in order for you to make the claim. People, but people do it every day. They go out and they make truth claims with no substantiating evidence, and that's exactly what this young man did. 
and came out saying, oh, well, well Michael Brown, you're talking about you're talking about this conflict, but it's, it's Israel's fault. Well, you think it's Israel's fault, but why do you think that? Why, why do you think it's Israel's fault? Are you familiar with Hamas? And so, see, there, there's this ongoing problem in society where people don't know the truth. And when they, when they don't know the truth, they speak and act from a place of ignorance. Whereas, if we're all being perfectly honest with ourselves, the best case scenario, the things that we don't know, the things that we don't know anything about, the things that we are unlearned about, then our best situation, our best course of action is to take a step back and do our due diligence. just want to take a quick moment to thank all of you listeners for your support. I appreciate you tuning in and joining us here on the Average Apologetics Podcast. If you are enjoying this content, I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends, family, blast it on social media, let other people know. Because after all, the more people hear the podcast, the more people can potentially benefit from this content. on understanding the truth about something before we speak or do, before we speak, before we act. I also read this story. This comes out of the UK, I believe out of Cambridge. Uh, A Church of England chaplain, Reverend Bernard Randall, 48, who was obtained, excuse me, was ordained in the Church of England and as a former chaplain of Christ College in Cambridge, was recently fired from his... Chaplain Reverend Dr. Bernard Randall, who was the former chaplain of Christ College in Cambridge, was recently recently fired from his most recent job at Trent College. He was fired and then reported as a terrorist. Do you know why? Because he openly... Because in a sermon that he gave, he brought out a conflict that was going on right there at that particular Christian school, allegedly Christian school, where LGBTQ values were being promoted above biblical understanding of gender and sex. He had been approached with this question of, why are these issues, why are these topics, why, why are we being told to accept all of this in a Christian school? To which his answer was that, 
well, if we're looking at it from a legal standpoint in the UK, then everyone has equal rights under the law. Again, this is his answer within the constraints of the law in the UK, saying everyone has legal legal equality under the law and that we should respect all people. Well, that sounds like a pretty good answer, right? He then goes on to say that there are areas where the two sets of ideas are in conflict and in those areas you do not have to accept the ideas and ideologies of LGBT activists. Specifically, since the, the alleged Christian school at Trent exists to educate children according to Protestant and evangelical principles that are rooted in the teachings of the Church of England, anyone who says that you then must, you must approach your education with contrary principles would be in direct violation of that school's founding documentation. So, so he, he went in, a, in a, very, a very polite way of saying, look, if we are a Christian college, we will teach Christian values, and we do not have to teach LGBT values which are contrary to a biblical worldview. For that, he was relieved of his job. And he was treated as a terrorist. He was put on a watch list in the UK. Now, I, I know that for many of you out there, you're, you're probably more than well aware that the UK is not a bastion of freedom. Much like Canada is not a bastion of freedom. But, in the modern age, in the age in which we live, this is the kind of reaction that we can expect. Where people are pushing so directly against biological truth, against hu acknowledging human nature for what it is, and, and against the Word of God. Where you have the LGBT movement, which is rooted on the ideas that human sexuality and human sexual orientation have nothing to do with a created design. Because if they have something to do with a created design, that means that they are perversions from biological and designed original function. You, you understand what I'm saying? If human sexuality and gender identity or gender orientation or sexual orientation, any of these, these sex-based proclivities of the human psyche and of human lifestyles have anything to do whatsoever with a created design, which is what we see under a Christian biblical worldview, if they have anything to do with a created design, that means they are a perversion away from the designed normal. They are a perversion away from the designed function. And if that's the case, that makes them morally wrong. And people who want to live in accordance to the LGBTQAIPP plus 37, whatever the alphabet soup is these days, the people who want to live according to the principles espoused by this type of thinking, those who want to live in agreement with that, cannot bear recognizing that it is morally wrong. That's why you have such aggressive pushes in the school systems, like in the UK. Such aggressive aggressive pushes in the school systems stateside, 
it's not everywhere, not yet. There, there are still places where there are still regions where it is not as predominant. But you go into the more urban areas, it's growing exponentially more dominant in the school systems, in the public square. And what this is, what it all boils down to, is how far human beings can push against the truth. How far they can get by with manufacturing a personalized truth. And we've talked about this a lot, and we'll still talk about it a lot more. Because as we go into tomorrow's episode, our first episode on our Friday study series, looking at worldviews, we'll be looking at Marxism. And when you look at the ideology known as Marxism, it is a complete breakdown of truth. It is the abandonment of truth. If you've ever studied postmodern postmodern literature, if you haven't, I, I honestly can't say that I recommend it, but if, if you haven't and you are curious to know what I mean by postmodernism, just do a cursory a cursory study into the, the concept of the genre, and you'll find that postmodernism is the genre or is the literary movement and I know it's actually more it's it's actually a philosophical movement, but if just just within the confines of literature, right? That's that's how 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 tight knit I'm bringing this down into a small point so that we don't have to think about the vast scope of things on this. But it is the idea that there is no truth. In the literary context, in a literary context, the postmodern movement separates all of your characters from any verifiable form of truth that includes morality, that includes a, a verifiable, true reality of the world around them. That means that your setting becomes more fluid. That means that everything around your characters, the things that they experience, may or may not have to make any sense within the context of the plot. Think about that in terms of literature. When you abandon the concept of truth, then the things that your characters experience doesn't ever have to make sense or have any purpose or accomplish anything. It means that you have a story with no plot, which means it has no ending, no true ending, because any ending you give to a story without a plot, it's irrelevant, which makes the entire work irrelevant. Postmodern philosophy applied to human life makes your life pointless. And my friends, that is exactly what is going on in the world around us. People are abandoning truth, whether they realize it or not. Now, the good thing, the good news in all of this is that there are still people who, even though they act and speak out of ignorance, can still learn the truth. But it takes that little spark. It takes that desire in order for them to ever take a step forward out of the darkness and into the light. But that's all for today, folks. You say, oh, well, we, we left today on a, on a bitter note. Yep, we did. And you know what? Hold on to that bitter note. Because tomorrow we're going to take a look at Marxism. And you're going to be rejoicing in bitterness. <laughs> I say that a bit tongue-in-cheek. I will try to approach our study on Marxism as lighthearted as possible. 
I also have a complete read-through that I'm working on, a complete read-through and commentary on Car Karl Marx and Frederick Engels' Communist Manifesto. That will likely only be on my Patreon for a number of reasons, primarily being because if you really, really want to go through the entirety of that, I think there should be a price of admission because no one should willingly delve into that work. No one should have to. But at the same time, each and every one of us should because it's something that we all need to understand going forward. But that's tomorrow. Today is Thursday. Today. And today. And tonight. You can all have a wonderful night. Enjoy your night. And join us again tomorrow so that we can begin to scratch the surface at this world ideology that is pervasively invading every facet of our reality. From our geopolitical dominion to the sermons that are preached in your churches. But until next time, my friends, stay strong, keep the faith, and seek the truth in all things. God bless. Thank you.